Hello and welcome to today's episode of the BAMcast. I'm your host, Baker Shields, and I'm super grateful that you're here. I created this show to help people to learn, grow, and evolve by any means necessary. And I think you're going to do that in this upcoming episode we've got today with Brady Oki. Brady is the owner of Take Uncommon Action, or Team Tua, as he refers to it as. And he's got a clothing brand with the name. He's got a coaching team with the name. And he's built up a massive community of just absolute killers um, inside of his brand that I think you guys are going to see exactly why this community has formed just by listening to him talk today. We talk a lot about his affinity for Eastern culture and what principles he's brought from these cultures into his own life and into his own perspectives. We talk about the state of modern masculinity and what it looks like to be a modern man, the things that we are up against and the things that we can possibly learn from and challenge ourselves with to become even better and a ton more around the topics of personal development and just growth in general. I think you guys will really, really enjoy this episode. I know I did. And without further ado, Let's hop right in. All right, Brady. Welcome to the show, man. I What's am up, you guys? Super, super, super excited to have you, bro. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Known Baker for a long time. We've crossed mm-hmm. paths quite a bit. So yes, we it's have. a long time coming to finally do some sort of podcast together. So I'm definitely going to have to have you on mine as well. But I'm excited for this one. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I uh, I know that I was trying to think of how far back I've been like following on you on social media. I've I know that we met in person at, I believe it was the 2021 October summer shredding, I believe, because it was when Either, it was back yeah. before they had Alpha Land. So it was like, mm-hmm. um, or no, maybe Alpha Land had just kind of launched or I don't know, but it was, I remember being at the Stafford Center in Houston yeah. and you mm-hmm. walked by and I was like, I know that guy. And then I was like, wait, is that this dude that I've been following? And I like searched your Instagram up real quick. And I was like, that is him. And so like I went over and, and I was like, hey, Brady, you don't know me, but this is my brand. And uh, we kind of connected initially over Eubora. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember it perfectly. That's one reason I actually um, wanted to work with you guys and promote Eubora. First of all, I mean, this is this might be a funny story, but I had quite literally maybe a week, two weeks before meeting you, I had been looking into manufacturers to create some sort of lifting grip because really? it's it's yeah it's a product that i had already been been using um i was using ones called cobra grips and the one thing i didn't like about cobra grips was the branding was kind of it's kind of like it wasn't my style really yeah. was, i don't know yeah. it was, it was kind of weird it, was, it wasn't a cool brand but the product yeah. was was great and so yeah. i was looking into manufacturers for that and the whole time i was like man i, I don't know if i want to go down this rabbit hole you know i'd rather they're just like be a, a cool brand already done and everything like that and and i, I mm-hmm. specifically remember you first of all knowing my name which i think um yeah got my attention and mm-hmm. and you just seemed like a very genuine person which you are uh and so instantly i was like oh this is perfect like now there's a cool brand making a great product that i already love this is this is perfect so ever since yeah. then i've been using Eubora grips and trying to get as many people as possible to use them too and you have you've gotten a lot of people to use them so i i will forever be indebted to you for that but uh i i am glad that transparently i could save you the headache of doing all the, all the <laughs> I, manufacturing stuff because it yeah. dude it has been uh <laughs> <laughs> you really you bora and i'm sure we'll, we'll kind of get into it too with with tua and like the product side uh, of what you're doing with clothing and everything mm-hmm. um but but e-com is just a different beast man it, yeah. it just really mm-hmm. is and it's it's so tough to get to a scale in e-com where it it truly starts to kind of pay off have you experienced that with with uh tua and, and the the product side of the business 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, my best advice for people who want to get into product based businesses is to not. Um, but if they, (laughs) if they still really want to, then, Hey, just expect it to be kind of a nightmare, but you have a few options when it comes to like something like shirts, you could do some sort of blank that already exists. The profits will, the, the margin is much smaller, but there's less headache essentially. Um, but what I've yeah. found is there's still a, a lot of things you don't think about, you know, like if you're paying per color per print, you, you can't just come up with this amazing design and be like, that is perfect and smack it on a t-shirt. It's not that easy. You actually have to pay nope. per color. And then, and then sometimes the company's like, yep, you know, this actually has like 14 colors on it. And the minimum order quantity for 14 colors is like a thousand t-shirts. So are you ready for a thousand t-shirts? And I'm like, no. And so then you have to yeah. scale back the design. And then even then I remember early issues I had is, um, white, the color white is not one color when it comes to printing, um, with screen printing, it actually counts as two colors. So it actually literally ruined a few of my designs that I was unable to do. So you, you learn these little things, but there's, yeah. it's, there's way more to it than people realize that's for sure. And, and I'm going yeah. the easiest route possible. <laughs> no, it, it, there's so much to it. And the, what I tell people too, is like, I'll, every once in a while I'll have people come to me and ask like, you know, how did you find your manufacturer? And like, I, I want to do this, this brand or this t-shirt company or this whatever. And my advice to them first is I was, I, I wish I had built the personal brand side, which I'm not even close to being like where I would like, to, I don't think I'll ever be there, but um, where I'd like to be with the personal brand side of things. Um, you know, you see like these, the Christian Guzmans, the Buff Bunnies, mm-hmm. the Charlies and like Charlie Cokers and like all these people out there that have built massive followings first, um, even Russell, right? Um, massive followings first and then monetize their following right so you Mm -hmm. you have an instant audience of people that are in love with you or the brand or the things that you kind of stand for that you can then push your product out to that versus i know like where you came from right and you just recently hit hit ten thousand followers which was awesome to see Um, but like where you started out where i started out we didn't have any audience at first, no. right? And we were, we were, we had seen all these people do those things. And I, I know from my perspective, I was like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And I didn't really realize the the flip side of all the groundwork that they had put in building and nurturing that audience first to be able mm-hmm. to launch to a, basically a sea of already ready to buy customers. Um, but it's, it's like a, it's a totally different beast than going the service-based route. And I'm, I'm kind of the same way, man. I'm like, start with something service-based and then use that to fund your product business at the end. If you or, or yeah. later on, if you still really want to, you can't get that idea out of your head, but, um, it, but dude, we're going to, we're going to, yeah. Um, <laughs> we're going to hop into all, all of those things. Um, I want to kind of tell a little bit about your story. Uh, I know we kind of just immediately jumped into to talking about <laughs> Tua, but Tua yeah. didn't start just as Tua, right? Like you had, um beforehand i think this is when i even started following you because i remember specifically the nova tank tops that you used to wear um and and i even went back and just refreshed my memory looking through your instagram feed and everything but you started out with um your or training company was called nova initially correct uh yes correct and and i'd actually you could say you could go back even further than that because like like what you were saying the original idea for myself and and my my friend at the time my business partner at the time uh Mm -hmm. was to create an audience specifically youtube we wanted to be youtubers and uh, then you know become online coaches uh and, and and have that following that we can you know help 
And so originally we went by our, our nicknames in high school. So uh, his nickname was Gons. His last name is Gonzalez. So in, in sports, they just people I remember, called him Gons. I remember Gons and Oak. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and me, you know, my, my nickname was always Oak. You know, yep. just growing up, football team, whatever. I was I was just called Oak. So Gons and Oak was kind of our our YouTube names. Uh, and, and so yeah. eventually the business started very organically because originally I was coaching people for free. That's just, I wanted more experience. I, you know, I've always just loved this and what I do. And so I was coaching people for free and it got to the point, uh, mid 2016, someone actually asked us what our prices were for coaching and kind of looked at each other and we're like, all right, we're officially a business now. So yeah. we started charging at that point and we were just under the name Gons and Oak training. But um, eventually, a couple of years later, I, I started to do what I, I find I kind of naturally do. And I start to kind of recruit and build teams and eventually mm -hmm. I had a team. And I was like, I don't think anyone on this team wants to be team Gons and Oak. You know, I yeah. think I think we should create a brand that that people can get behind and feel a part of and be proud to be a part of that. And so that's when I, I um, created Nova. And, um, yeah, so that's when that, that's when that happened. So there's, there was some you. groundwork actually before Nova, but yes. no, yeah, that's awesome. I completely forgot that. Cause that was your, that was either your Instagram handle at a given time. I know yeah, I saw uh, Gons yeah. and Oak mm -hmm. a bunch. And I, I remember yeah. even thinking whenever I first saw you at, in Houston, I remember thinking, is that that Gons and Oak guy? And then I went and checked and it was, it was actually, you had changed it at that point to Brady Oaks fitness, I think. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. but it, it, that was that your Instagram handle at a certain point? It was, and right before that trip, uh, I changed it, um, it. to kind of see what would happen because uh, a lot of people, long story short, a lot of people didn't know who I was, despite I was the entire face of the company. No one knew my name. Yeah. Uh, and so I kind of wanted to test run it before summer trading. So I actually changed it to my name and yeah, that was interesting. To That's see what crazy. There, so. I, I didn't even realize all that extra stuff was happening. So, so continue oh, yeah. you, you and you and your friend, you kind of changed, you rebranded into a brand, right? Instead mm -hmm. of just like you guys' names, which I think is, is very important for a lot of people listening because I think, I mean, you even look at like Christian Guzman, right? Like he started with CG fitness and right. before long he, he rebranded to alpha elite and all the things that he was doing there. Um, I think most influencers in the fitness industry, tend to start out with a, a Baker Shields fitness, uh, a Gons and Oak, uh, like their, their name on some type of a shirt. What was the thought process that you had besides making a brand that, that made you want to remove the names from it and create something that some, that people could latch onto? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, first of all, those are really good examples, Christian with CG fitness and, and Alfleet. And, uh, yeah, I, I find now, you know, hindsight's 2020 20. looking back, I, I didn't realize that at the time, but it just totally fits my personality perfectly. You know, I, yeah. I, 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 I think a strength of mine would be brand building and team building and personal relationships and things like that. And so it just felt like the natural thing to do, you know, to, to create a, a team, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know, you could, a silly example would be like, if you, if you've ever met like a hardcore, like Buffalo Bills fan or something, it's like, yeah, th they put a name to it and people get behind it and they are the most loyal people in the world. And it's like, you, you can't really do that with a person. I mean, you can to a degree, but I'm not over here trying to get fans of, of Brady Oak fitness that feels odd oh, to me. Yeah. I, I want to create something much bigger and more impactful than that. And, um, I, I could do a lot more that way than just with my, my name. So Absolutely. that was that, but the, the, the word Nova, um, kind of stood out to me because it, it means new essentially. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I felt that that was kind of what we were doing, but the, the one issue I had with that brand 
looking back is that I was trying to please two different people, myself and my business partner at the time. And so I was, everything I did, I kind of thought of like, okay, what is, what would we do? What's something we, how do we think instead of just Mm -hmm. how do I think? And so we will get there, but my brand now is very much a reflection of, of like me, myself, my brain, and I'm very proud of it now. So it's, it's full, it's come full circle, but yeah. Yeah. I love where we're at now. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the brand now is Tua. Why don't you explain mm-hmm. what that means to you and uh, explain the acronym to us? Yeah, so Tua stands for Take Uncommon Action. And uh, really, we are people who refuse to be mediocre and we create outliers. That's the best way to put it. Obviously, being online fitness coaches, a lot of that has to deal with physical fitness but so much of it does deal with the mental the spiritual side of it of it as well Uh, our motto is be uncommon which is a motto that i kind of came up with myself in 2018 and i didn't launch tua until 2021 um so it it was a motto that had stuck with me and that's why i very much feel like tua i i feel very i don't know connected and aligned with my brand which i think you should Um, yeah, yeah. but a a lot of it, a lot of it does come from a mindset because when you're chasing to be an uncommon individual in a sea of, of a society that basically just creates average people. Uh, and and I was, I was going to be one of them. I, I grew up in an average town in an average neighborhood, went to an average high school, average parents making, you know, middle, uh, middle-class income. All, I was just like destined to be the most average normal person ever. Yeah. And I, I just couldn't help but feel like there was something more to all of this and something more inside mm-hmm. of me. And and I came to the conclusion that a lot of people actually feel that way, um, but, but we get stuck. And so I wanted to create a brand that empowered people to find that inner greatness and get it out. Uh, and so, so yeah, a lot of what we do is the hardcore fitness stuff. You know, we got guys that run a hundred miles. We, we do the whole bodybuilding thing, but a lot of it too is just, um, self-betterment all around, you know, like how can we become just these uncommon individuals in, in all aspects of life, our you know relationships, our marriage, our family life, um, business success, just how yeah. can we make an impact on the world? So that's what we're about, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I resonate with that on so many levels. And I think that's part of what, what kind of drew you, you and I together and, and even just mm-hmm. me to you um, was, I think like, there's a few things that come to mind whenever I just heard you explain that. One of them is um, Chris Williamson. He talks about on his podcast, he talks of, or actually Alex Ramosi is the one that, that talked about the average right now, right? It's not even that hard right now to be above average like the average person in america Mm -hmm. is obese likely divorced and has less than a thousand dollars in the bank like those are the three things that are average like that's the baseline you know Mm -hmm. um and if that's the baseline like how many of us are are technically above average but it's like if that's truly the baseline that means that half of all people are below that Mm -hmm. right and only half of all people are are above that and so it You can look at that two ways. You can be like, wow, like I can shoot so much higher than just like the, if that's the baseline, like I've my floor, right? Like I, a lot of bad stuff could happen to me to even just get me to that floor of average, right? So like I've got all this room here up here to grow, but you could also look at it and you could say, you know, if all, all I gotta do is be better than that, I could, 
check two of those boxes and have $1,500 in the bank and be above average. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> that's how some people think, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is super mm-hmm. sad, but what, what do you think from you growing up in the environment that you grew up in and, and you, you even saying that you had a very average upbringing and you came from, you know, middle-class and you had all of these things that were drawing you looked like to that, that average life. What do you think inside of you or, or what did you experience maybe at a young age that made you think like there could be more out there for me? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I ask myself that question a lot. I, I really do. The only answer I have right now, and this, this answer might change with time, uh, or at least evolve a little bit with more time and, and some more introspection. But yeah. I think the thing that affected me the most was everyone kept telling me what I couldn't do growing up. And what I will say is, although I, I lived a very average life, um, one thing that was below average was my grades in school. Um, very, I mean, very, very below average. Um, and, and again, you know, I, I can see why now hindsight's twenty twenty. I can see why now the people I was around, the belief systems that were imposed on me as a young child, mm-hmm. um, in certain aspects, I can see because as a child, I, you know, I, I lacked the confidence uh, at the time to, um, understand the power I have over my own life. I was kind of a victim. And so when I was told at a young age that I was dumb, I truly believed I was dumb and I acted as a dumb person acts. So in high school, I listened to my iPod during class all the time. I'd, I'd wear a sweatshirt. I'd roll the, the, um, headphone down my sleeve and I'd sit there. Yeah. I'd sit there in class. Like I was paying attention. I was listening to Eminem and and Dane cook on repeat. Um, we've all done it skits. Yeah. And I did a little bit too much probably, but, uh, in my, in my, in my graduating class, there was 640 students and I was about 600th on the list, which, I mean, there were 600 people in my class that had better grades than me. And I was in the last 40. And, um, now I I laugh at that because, well, now, you know, I've gone through college. I graduated in a degree. That's one of the hardest degrees to get at the college I went to. And I, I was with all these people that were like failing classes and I was like doing well in the classes. So, so now I I have the security to know that I I'm smart. I, you know, I can be when I need to be. Um, but at the time I just, that's who I was. I was just this dumb kid that didn't have a future. And everyone told me I wasn't going to make the football team. Everyone told me I was going to make the track team, whatever it was. It's just like, everyone told me what I could and couldn't do. And and I wasn't showing up for myself, but then I still had like this little voice in me that said like, I, I can, you know, I, I, I can make the team. I, I can do better than this. Isn't, this isn't what my life is going to be like. Um, and I had a few very humbling moments when I, um, when I was 17, realizing that like, I wasn't going to get into the college I wanted to go to because <laughs> like reality, hit, you know, reality, reality yeah. check, like you suck at school. You actually have to do well in school to go to good colleges. Uh, and I had some majorly humbling moments. And during that phase, a mixture of everyone telling me what I couldn't do and me realizing that I was living in la la land all just kind of hit me all at once. Um, but the lesson I learned is that I do have power over my life. And I started to see the evidence of that slowly. Now it's, you know, it's been a good decade. I, I, I see that evidence every day now, but at the time I'd had just enough of that evidence to prove that, um, I can, I can make something happen. I can turn this thing around and I'm uh, glad I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the common traits of, of high achievers, there's a few things that we can kind of observe with, with all high achievers. And one of them is, is 
really there's no way other way around is like a superiority complex, right? Mm. Like we all have it <laughs> and it, yeah. it's, it's kind of like what you're describing right there. And I, I really like, I felt that on a, on a very spiritual level because I always kind of thought that there was going to be more for me out there. Like I always just kind of had that in the back of my head and I was always looking for things that could kind of challenge me because call it cockiness, call it arrogance, like whatever you want to kind of call it. Mm -hmm. It's like, I always just kind of thought that there was a spot for me out there that was going yeah. to be, you know, something great, something cool. Um, but there's this weird coupling and I've talked about this on a couple of episodes. There's this weird coupling of you've got the superiority complex, but you've also got kind of a second like an angel like a, you've got an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other right the devil is telling you that mm -hmm. you're not doing enough you're not enough you haven't gone gone far you're not working hard enough you haven't gone far enough you haven't done enough yet right and so it's kind of like you believe that you're destined for more but you're also you're, you're also more predisposed to never really feeling like you've reached that point of like this is peace like this is equilibrium this is kind of where i'm supposed to be at so you've always kind of got that other side of you and it's, it's perfectly personified. And we, I know we keep bringing up alpha lead, but probably never satisfied, right? It's the same type of mm -hmm. thing. There is, mm -hmm. um, the belief that you're, you're destined for more, you're achieving more, you're going for more, but also you're never quite happy whenever you get there. And so I'm curious, you, you've talked about kind of the, the one trait, right. Of just believing that you, you could achieve more and looking for evidence in your everyday life. And then now you're seeing it and now you're doing that. Do you feel like you struggle to acknowledge what you're doing and where you're at now? Yeah. So, yeah, a few things I, I want to discuss there. Um, although, like the, the superiority superiority complex, that, as he put it, that, that's funny. Um, and I, I think Harmozi talks about that. Um, yeah. One thing. I, one thing I want to mention with that is, so I, I do believe, and this is actually interwoven in the um, uh, what we call the uncommon code, which is like our core belief systems within Tua. Yep. First of all, we believe that everyone has inner greatness, um, but it must be discovered and expressed. And usually that's done through hard work. Um, we discover and express our inner greatness through hard work and then it grows. Uh, but number, number two, we also believe that there's mediocrity inside of everyone and that we must resist it. And so kind of like you're saying, like the devil and the angel, um, we have the inner greatness. We also have the inner mediocrity. They're both fighting over our attention. But the one thing I want to say is, although I do believe growing up, I like I felt different. I, I think the one thing that was different about me was that that voice in my head was maybe just a little louder than other people's. Yeah. But I think everyone has the same inner greatness. Like, you know, we're, we're not we're not that special. The one thing that's special about us is probably that we feel a little bit more called to for sure to help others uh, and taking actions but we all I have it that, we all yeah, we were action none of us were created yeah 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 and no, none of us none of us were created to just like die losers you know like we all we all have the, the greatness inside of us and it's just um one of what i would consider one of my duties is to, to help people discover their inner greatness um now okay i'm trying to remember <laughs> uh what what you were saying now um we're just kind of talking about the, the, you know, you're good. The traits of the traits of high achievers. And you said you had a couple of points off of, off of that and kind of what Hormozy says on that. Yeah. That, that was the main thing is that, uh, I, the only thing that I think is different about us is that I think the voice was a little louder and we heard it and we did something about it. Other people, um, depending on, you know, their upbringings and several different other, you know, parts to the equation, uh, it might be a little bit harder to discover, but they have it. 
that's one thing I really want to point out is that they, they absolutely have it. Yeah. I, I a hundred percent believe that too. And I, I used to have a, uh, um, my, my Christian clothing company that I had like way, way back when in high school and college, um, that was one of the biggest things that, you know, there's several Bible verses that talk about it, but, Mm -hmm. um, the, the belief that basically like God gives every person, right. Man, woman, child, everybody, um, gifts that, that yeah. they, they present themselves at different times in your life and, and they come up in different ways. But a lot of times it's that thing that you just kind of feel a little bit more alive doing, right? Like everybody's got mm-hmm. something that they're a little bit better at. They enjoy a little bit more than the average person. And a lot of times you can find your gifts in those types of things. Um, so, so with that being you guys' code and, and what you talk about with resisting mediocrity and, and chasing that greatness that you've, you've got inside of you, how do you go about resisting the mediocrity or, or the kind of devil on the other shoulder that is maybe telling you that, you know, you've got further to go, don't celebrate this one, celebrate the next one. And you kind of always you're, get on that hedonic treadmill of just always needing more, wanting more. Like, how do you yeah. fight that, that portion? It's not necessarily the mediocrity side, but it's kind of like the, the never satisfied type of mentality. Yeah, it's, it's easy to settle. And now, yeah, I'm, I'm remembering <laughs> your original question regarding that, but, um, yeah, so that's a tough one because, uh, I feel, uh, especially recently when you, when you're going through your twenties, man, you probably relate, you, you start to ask yourself some tough questions and you start to reflect yeah. on things a lot. It's like your quarter life crisis. And, uh, <laughs> one of mine is, is understanding, trying to understand myself a little bit more. Why, why I'm so incapable of just, um, being at peace kind of like doing nothing and uh, i i don't have all the answers but i've just accepted the fact that i find peace more so in the chaos and in in always trying to progress for further and i i've i've kind of accepted that i'm kind of okay with that now part of me has a little bit of jealousy for people who um are just like just satisfied yeah like they're just satisfied yeah Yeah. It, it Maybe it's nice. I don't know. But I've I've accepted the fact I'm not like that. I'm probably never going to be like that. And so whenever when it comes down to it, I just realized that um, for me, at least the equation of happiness, I think for everyone, the equation of happiness does deal with purpose and fulfillment and all these little things, you know, you, all your needs need to be uh, met. But I think in there with me in the equation of happiness is constantly striving for more, not because I feel I lack, but because I feel I haven't touched the potential yet that's there. And that part kind of bothers me. I I just, I need to find out, you know, that's, and I I think a lot of high achievers can relate to that. I think the David Goggins of the world relate to that. That's why they, they're constantly using physical means usually as a way to like, they want to find the breaking point. And they're willing to go run 240 miles in the Moab desert to yeah. hopefully find the breaking point because they got to know. They just got to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had a few occasions like that, not that I've run 240 miles, but I've yeah. had a few occasions like that where I, I become very curious to find out like what I really have. Maybe it goes back to the childhood of, of being told I was dumb and being told what I couldn't do. Maybe Maybe that has to do with it. But Maybe. for whatever reason, there's something in me that just like, I have to know, I got to find that point. Uh, so we're here doing that. Wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's a beautiful reframing. Um, just changing up that thought process from 
it's not that you're not happy with where you have or not that you're coming from a place of lack. It's coming from almost a place of abundance of you're, you're not done because you just have more that you can achieve. There is more room that, that mm-hmm. you posit from a positive, like optimistic perspective, like you can go, go and um, chase. And I, I think I've always wrestled with that. I think I've always wrestled with the, the, um, you know, never being satisfied mindset because it seems in my own life, I know that I, I, I see it quite a bit where I'll get to a goal that I've always said that, um, you know, I want to hit, you Would know, you I'll happy. get there. And like, right mm-hmm. before I get there, it's like, I kind of realize that it's attainable. And then I'm like, well, what if I pushed it to here? You know, mm-hmm. and then I get to that goal and I cross that threshold that I've, I just said that would change my life if I hit that. Or I just said that, um, this is like where I can kind of relax and chill and celebrate for a second. I cross that threshold and I don't ever, I don't acknowledge it. Right. Because then it's like, once it becomes possible to you, it, it almost becomes like your new baseline. And then now you're looking for, you know, what's that next level you can unlock. So that, yeah. I really, really like that reframing. Yeah, you, you do have to find balance because I'm, I'm not I'm not over here as, as hardcore as I, I want to be and I strive to be and as successful as I want to be because I got some crazy goals. Um, yeah. I'm not over here saying that like you got to, you know, pull all nighters every night and for work sure. 100 for hours sure. a week. And there's I, I am someone that does believe in balance because at the end of the day, what are we doing this for? You know, you, we do everything we do for happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so. Um, I do believe in balance. I actually have a chain. I'm not wearing it right now, but I wear the yin and yang symbol a lot. And uh, I like Eastern thought a lot, like philosophies that came out of the East. And I've noticed I I wear it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I wear that a lot. Um, To some, it might even seem cheesy or something, but it's a reminder um, to be balanced and that there is push and pull in all things. And so, although I'm someone that might not ever, find complacency or find peace in the nothing. Although I will always push to remind myself that, um, there needs to be balance and all things. So be happy where you're at, but, um, chase down the bigger thing because there's, we have a, a higher purpose here that, that we must fulfill. Believe, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. I've got a quote. Um, I know I mentioned to you before we kind of press record here that I, I like to throw in some quotes. So it's the first one I want yeah. you to kind of consider. And I think it, cool. it, it weaves in perfectly with what we're talking about. So I don't know if you remember this, but it was, I mean, it's kind of a, maybe not the best name to mention now, but at the time I thought this was like the best quote ever. Um, but it was probably, I don't know, six or seven years ago. Um, they had just won the Texans had just won a playoff game and Deshaun Watson had this just unbelievable quote after um, a game in his post-game interview where he said they were like what 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 enabled you to go out and perform like you just performed and he he literally he just said somebody's got to be great why not me what Mm. tell me whenever you hear that quote what comes to your mind first thing that comes to my mind is the lottery mm-hmm. <laughs> this might sound silly i and but this is how i think like if you were to ask me like do you think you'll you could ever win the lottery the chances zero zero point zero zero whatever percent yeah and i'm like yeah i think i could win the lottery because someone has to win every single yeah. time someone wins so why why couldn't i win and um not that i spent all my money on lottery tickets but yeah that's that's I mean that's just how I I my brain works. That's how what I believe is like yeah someone someone's got to be great. Someone's gonna be great, uh, yeah. and and it kind of goes back because we all have inner greatness inside of us. So to say that like oh it can never be me. Well it's like the the people that you look up to that you 
basically idolize and worship and you're like, man, how are they like that? They have the same thing inside of them that you, that you have, you know? So that's a great quote. I like that one. Yeah. I like it a lot too. Obviously Deshaun Watson's got a lot of other stuff that has gone on (laughs) with him since then. But at the time I was, I wrote it down in my quotes, um, little note immediately. Cause I was like, this is a fantastic quote. Um, but let's, let's keep going kind of through your, your story. I know a big part Mm. of your story and, um, she's been interwoven since the very beginning is your wife, Maddie. Tell us about how kind of like you guys met, which I believe was in college. Maybe it was in college. Yeah. Um, I won't, I won't bore you with with the story, but we, we met at a party, nothing happened year later, met at another party. And that one was actually, um, kind of special how that one happened. But, uh, anyway, so (laughs) the thing with, with Maddie is, um, when we started dating, we, we were very adventurous together. We were always doing something. We 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 went to college in Idaho near the Tetons, uh, which is just beautiful mountain range. I mean, we're like an hour and a half max from Yellowstone National Park. Wow. Uh, Teton National Park was there. Hopefully you can't hear my dogs barking like crazy. But uh, yeah, th- we were just always going out doing photo shoots, all this stuff. She, she had like a little fitness account on Instagram. I had a little fitness yeah. account on Instagram. And the thing that really brought us together was just like our visions that we had um matched so so perfectly and and i was always ambitious but i was i think i was kind of finding my voice a little bit um yeah. and sh- and she really believed in me i think that's the one thing i really want to point out because it's like you know I, i've had other girlfriends and you tell them your their your goals and dreams and they're like yeah you, you can you can do that i guess there's a difference though when someone not only like believes in you but like almost would be willing to bet on you everything yeah you know, and yeah. I felt like Maddie, like, really believed in me, you know, it was, it was gonna happen. It, it wasn't, she wasn't messing around. She wasn't joking around. She fully believed that I was going to be able to to accomplish this big dream that I talked about for years. Um, so I mean, yeah, we, we, we dated, we got married. Uh, and when we graduated college, because we, we got actually got married before we graduated, didn't want to wait. Um, yeah. <laughs> she actually got a full time job so that she could support us. And I stayed at wow. home and messed around on my laptop and try to build a company. Uh, and yeah. And then, you know, she, she does the same thing. She has her own company. Her, her company started to pop off first. Um, I was, I was doing my best to grow my company, but also helping out with hers while she was working full time mm-hmm. to literally pay our bills. Uh, we lived with my parents for three or four months in their basement. Um, yeah, man, like living life, I guess. Right. Yeah. But eventually like her believing in me and betting on me and being willing to be our supporter um for for a while allowed everything else to happen to where we have it now so we we talk about that a lot because i'm very grateful for her because i don't think a lot of i don't think a lot of people would do that (laughs) no it's they wouldn't um and that's the that's the special thing i think about you guys is it comes across and i think that's why you guys is um, your, your family accounts <clears throat> do so well. Um, it comes across and just watching you guys just exist, honestly. Um, and we, we had a, I talked about it. I won't go through the full story again, but I talked about a similar situation with myself and my wife where I ended up mm-hmm. a couple of years ago now in a situation where it was like, I kind of was at this crossroads between one opportunity that I'd like really pursued and like put, you know, all my eggs in this basket and, um, which you, you actually, you might, you probably do remember the revived gummies. Yep. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So <clears throat> that, that kind of, we'll just say opportunity 
was ending, um, the people that I was working with in that. And, uh, um, you know, all this work that I put in and everything, it was just kind of like, you know, like, hey, here, this is ending in, in X amount of days. And so I had like virtually no time. And that was at the beginning of me starting my training company. And, you know, Ubora was in its infancy as well. And it was kind of this crossroads where I was just very lost. I was very stressed. I was really anxious. And Kenzie and I, my wife, were, were just dating at the time. And I had just moved to Texas just to be closer to her. And um, she kind of sat me down and, and she gave me a, a similar thing where she was like, hey, if you, no matter what you want to do in this stage, like if you want to go pursue this or if you want to go pursue this or if you do want to get a job or like whatever you want to do, like I, I'll make sure you're taken care of because I know you're going to make it like you're and she always calls me. I'm her investment because it's going to pay off one day. Right. <laughs> Facts. Um, yeah. And yeah. And we're starting. She's starting to get a little bit of a, some some interest paid back to her. Right. But yeah. she. uh um, she, she kind of told me the same thing and, and thankfully she never had to do it, but I, I had no idea that, that Maddie had, had kind of supported you guys. And I, I can't, I mean, I don't think most people can understand the level of as an entrepreneur, like that's all you ever hope for is you hope it never comes to that, but you also hope for the person that you're signing up for this whole life thing with understands the risks involved with what you plan to do and what you're going to do. And also under like, would be willing to do something like that. And so yeah. whenever she did it, was that kind of like solidified for you? Like, okay, this is, this is the one She's for the me. One. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, like for, so at the time I was still with, with Nova and my business yep. partner at that time. And, um, uh, yeah, there, there was, there wasn't that much evidence that it was going to work out yet. Yeah. You know, there, there really wasn't. And we were keeping all the money in the business. So we had very little money coming in anyway, first of all, I want to be clear about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the money that was coming in, we were keeping in the business. We weren't splitting and man, we were just doing some crazy stuff, but for, for her to, to marry a guy and I graduated, uh, when I was 23, I was 23 years old when I graduated and to just marry a guy and be like, Hey, so we're graduating now. Like, we're going to live in my parents' basement in Nebraska and mm -hmm. you're going to work a nine to five and I'm yeah. going to sit on my laptop. Um, blows my mind, but it, she did it. She did it. And it was funny because originally we're talking about like a couple of years, but um, I didn't take that opportunity for granted. That's for sure. And so mm -hmm. behind the scenes, um, we made it work and, and she actually quit her job after about four months. It was wow. still quite risky at that point, but something that I'm really grateful for. I have a, a buddy of mine that I went to high school with. Long story short, we weren't actually friends in high school, really. We just knew who each other were, and then somehow we got connected, you know, four years later in college. Um, but he was very successful. He is very successful. He, dude makes a lot of money, and he's, he's awesome. Mm -hmm. And we were out to brunch with them. At this time, Maddie's working her job. I'm messing around on my computer or whatever. Yeah. And yep. <laughs> we, we left the brunch. And somehow, I don't even know how, but he like just convinced Maddie to quit her job. And it just made no sense on paper. Like, okay, I don't know where the money's going to come from, how we're going to move out of my parents' house, but let's do it. So she quit four months in. Uh, but then something amazing happened because I'm, I'm such a believer in just manifestation and making, make, make, make calculated risks. But when you believe in yourself so strongly and you're all in on yourself, you're going to make it happen. So she quit four months in. And all within about a month's period, um, 
she got a, a, a really part-time job, like two hours a day, five days a week as a, mm-hmm. a, a group fitness instructor, making like a hundred bucks a day, which is pretty baller for, <laughs> for a job like that. Yeah. And right. yeah, it, it, was, it was sick. And, um, I was working five to 10 hours max, just personal training, like in, people in person, yeah. um, making like 25 bucks an hour. And just somehow it all like happened all at one time where we're like, oh, whoa, we do have enough money to go get an apartment. So we got an apartment um, by January. This is one year before Tua launched and we just somehow made it happen. And, and then Maddie's company started to pick up some some pace at that point. So she started making, you know, thousand, two thousand bucks here and there and it, whatever it just kind of added up. We're like, we're good now. Like we can do this. So mm. it was crazy. But that, that whole two year commitment to working uh, lasted four months for her which is awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's insane. So with <clears throat> with that whole, that brings me down so many rabbit holes I want to go down just <laughs> talking about that story. But um, one of the, th- the notes that I wrote down because I saw this in the comments of one of your YouTube videos was um, you're going back and forth with a, a kind of a hater on um, you had posted basically what you make in a month as an online fitness coach. Oh, Right. Yeah. And you had done kind yeah. of, yeah, you had done kind of a, uh, a YouTube video on that. And I thought it was a cool, yeah. cool idea and everything. And then I saw, I was looking at the comments to see what people were saying and majority of them were all positive. And then one guy kind of goes back and forth and it's very evident that he's never been an entrepreneur because, no. um, you know, what a business makes and then what the entrepreneur actually makes are two very different things typically. Um, mm-hmm. but, but talk about when, when you, I guess, decided to go all in on your thing and somebody else, right? Your wife is planning to go ahead and, and support you as a man, right? You're, you're very strong on like men and, and men's values mm-hmm. and kind of like what it means to be a strong man. How, how did that make you feel? And, and let's talk kind of about the state of, of men today is kind of where I'm trying to pivot into. Yeah. Love, love the topic. Oh, man, uh, I think because I fully and a hundred percent believed it was going to be a temporary situation. Yeah, that I, I wasn't going to let her be like that for long. No. Yeah, and, and I knew that, and she knew that. I knew that, and she knew, and we all believe we're very much on the same page. So I get how nowadays, maybe uh, in a less firm marriage, less where where the rules are not defined well enough, where the man is not masculine enough in his position. Mm-hmm. I can see how that would be an issue for sure. But because it wasn't like that and er- the rules were clearly defined and the expectations were defined, we had zero issues whatsoever. Um, and, and I can go deep here, man, because it was rough on Maddie and, and not towards me. She was, she was going through a really rough time during that period of time. And none of it was directed at me or our relationship or our decision. There was no regret. It's just that she was very unhappy Mm-hmm. And for me, seeing her that way, I'm just like, man, I'm going to get her out of this as soon as possible. Yeah. And hey, four months, um, four months. <laughs> that's what that's what it took. So that's yeah. incredible. So let's mm-hmm. talk about, I guess, <clears throat> talk about what in your perspective um, you think that that the modern man, I guess, is lacking in terms of their their traits and, and really just their framing today. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so there's a lot against men right now, uh, not right. at all to create a victim mentality, but it's good to understand what we're up against. Women, sure. their value is decided by them existing. Women mm-hmm. have value by literally existing, doing nothing. Men, yep. 
have zero value. At birth, no value whatsoever. We have to prove to everyone around us that we have value. And that's tough. Um, but rather than crying about it, let's like do something about it. Because yeah. again, we all have the same greatness inside of us. We all do. I don't know how many times you got to hear the stories of the the dude from the other side of the country that came to America with nothing and was dirt poor and living on the streets and now they're a billionaire, whatever. It's like we we know it can happen. So make yeah. sure that that's you if if you're in that bad of a situation. Um, but in, inside the the family, um, I think what's happening. There's a lot that's happening to be honest. I think what's happening is society is demasculinizing men and defeminizing um, women. They're kind of making women less feminine and men less masculine. And now they're kind of in the middle and nothing good happens here. Everyone's confused. No one's happy. Um, and I'm, I'm, first of all, I, I come from a family where my mom is an entrepreneur and mm -hmm. she's, she's worked my whole life. Um, she's yeah, she's worked literally nine to fives, like corporate. She started her own company, all that stuff. So I didn't have like a stay at home mom, like traditional, I don't even know, like like fifties family or something for sure. Yeah. Know? That's, that's not what I grew up in. And, and I'm married to an entrepreneur who makes way more money than most men. Yeah. So I, I'm, this isn't coming from like some biased situation where I'm telling my wife, she's got to stay home and I don't know, clean the kitchen. And my mom stayed at home and made us dinner. Like, no, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> that, that's not the case. I, I came from the opposite actually. But what I am saying is, is I'm, I'm men are happiest, uh, mostly anyway when they are able to provide for their families, protect their families, um, and add value to the community. Um, and, and that's that. Yeah. So, so men, men need to focus on that and get their act together yeah. pretty much. <laughs> I, I, I totally get it. And I, <clears throat> I, I couldn't agree more with, with everything that you're saying. And I think that it's not a trying to, you know, like force a square peg into a round hole. Like it's, it's not a, we, any, you or me, at least I can speak for us two in this conversation, um, are saying that like a woman has to be in this exact mold or a man has to be no. in this exact mold. It's, it's true. Like you can look at the data and you can look at, um, you know, this was on, uh, has been on several of Chris Williamson's, um, podcasts where he talks about like gender roles and brings on different mm -hmm. women or men that are, that are kind of experts in different fields. And, um, the divorce rates have, if you look at the, the income of women over, over the last several decades and divorce rates over the last several decades, the two, it's like you, you're pulling two different data points, but the two have the exact same curves, like the exact same curves. And, and it's crazy because, um, you, you look at the, the psychology of relationships. And you talked about for a man to provide value, he has to feel like he's being the provider. He has to feel like he's the point of stability. He has to feel like, um, you know, he's, he's this protector as well. And there's a certain level of that, that I think is very true. And I think it's a certain level of what causes a lot of friction in modern day, especially American relationships is most men, they, we, we also internalize a lot of our problems. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we, we're very reluctant to go and, and talk to somebody. We're very reluctant to reach out and, and get therapy or get help or, or seek out mentorship. And it, it's caused a lot of 
friction within a lot of the relationships and especially around, you know, our generation, because if a man doesn't feel all of those things, they start to build up the resentment of, you know, what they feel like the, the female maybe in the relationship is, is the one that's kind of holding them back from those things. Cause they wish that that person would just sit back and let them step up and take care of all these things. And from the flip side of that, from the female's perspective, it's like, why is he not wanting to work harder? Why is he not wanting to provide for me? Why does he not want to do all these things? Why do I have to be the person that that is that breadwinner? And so it's a really weird kind of dynamic now. And I think it is kind of an uphill battle for, for both genders, because it's like what's being pushed forward on on social media or, or on media in general. And, and what I guess the the ideal, like woman right now, and the ideal man right now is like, you're saying very flip-flopped in terms of traditional masculine and feminine roles um do you have you seen a lot of those same studies with with kind of that being i have yeah i have and i think uh you know all we can do because the last thing i want to do is preach to women what they should be oh yeah (laughs) that's that's really what i'm trying to do uh but what i can say as a man to other men is there is a massive lack of uh accountability and extreme ownership amongst men right now um everyone's looking to blame i mean uh a somewhat uh, relatable situation. So I saw this post about how McDonald's prices are going up and obviously like the world sucks right now and all that good stuff. And this entrepreneur was like, everyone's going to complain about the price of McDonald's going up, but what they're not going to do is make more money or even better, create a company that competes against McDonald's that is cheaper. Yeah. They're not going to, they won't do that, but they'll complain about it and be the, the victim and not literally do anything about it at all. Uh, it's, it's kind of frustrating because all of our problems, whether it's inflicted upon us by society or whoever or not, it's like, we still have the power over ourselves to change our situation and make it better. You know, um, like, uh, if you have a, uh, if you're watching a UFC fight and a dude's in a chokehold, he's not just going to lay there and tap out. He's going to try to get into a better position about the other person putting him in a chokehold. Yeah. Yeah, 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 literally. He's going to try to get in a better position. And and yeah. so it's like if we can just help men do that because again, it's like um and my, my dad actually my dad figured this out. If we're going to talk about money, so so my dad has had he just quit recently. Had a seemingly good job. He's a morning news anchor uh wow. for for I 25 years. That. Yeah, yeah. So everyone always thought I was rich growing up, but I wasn't, <laughs> uh, when I, when I don't, he's probably never going to listen to this. When I graduated high school, he was making about 75 K and mm-hmm. not that that's awful by any means, but that's not really what you would expect from someone that worked as a morning news anchor for the same company for like 20 years and had the number one morning show in the Omaha, Nebraska, Iowa metro area. Like yeah. you think it would be more than that, but it wasn't. And so recently he quit his job, I think partially because, because of me and Maddie, to be honest, because he's like, they're chasing their dreams and making way more money. Um, but it, it, it's like at some point you gotta, you gotta take that action and, and realize like may, maybe you're in the wrong position. You know, if you want to be the provider that makes six figures or something out, you, you got to go where that is. You gotta, you gotta go to where that opportunity is. If your job starts at 50 K and in 30 years, you'll be making 80 K according to this, this, the pay scale. Yeah. But you want to make a hundred K sounds like you shouldn't apply for the job, but nope. people will still apply for the job. And they're like, I want to make a hundred K. It's like, okay, you just chose a path that it is impossible for you to do that. So yeah. lack of accountability, lack of extreme ownership, 
if you want to, if you want to make X amount of money or whatever, or be fit or whatever it is, like do the things that are actually going to get you there instead of living in this La La Land. And I know all about La La Land because I was there too when I was 17 years old. And I thought I was going to get into Texas A&M University with my two point whatever something GPA as the 600th in my class. Yeah, I'm I'm very familiar with La La Land, but uh, for men to rise to the occasion and to be who we're meant to be, we can't be living in this in this lie. And, and it all starts with us having some extreme ownership over ourselves. Yeah, yeah, I could not agree more. And you took exactly where I was going with it. And you made it way sound way better. Um, and you kind of <laughs> ran with it. So it that really is the the idea, right? Is like, we're not saying nobody is saying that that women should be capped at a certain income, or like, you should look for a low income, pe- like, nobody's saying anything like that. It's It's mm-hmm. the fact that if you want to be that you, if you want to feel that sense of like, I'm the provider, I'm the protector, I'm the, the person that that's everything that she might be craving or needing, or, or feel you even feel like she's craving or needing, like you got to go create that, right? Mm-hmm. The opportunities are out there. The, the, the job, like you're saying is out there. The, the path is out there. You got to go find it though. And you got to take it upon yourself to make that happen, to fill that role. If you feel like you're called to me, fill that role. And if you feel like she needs that role filled, right? Um, because my wife is, is a killer too. She's, a, she's out there in corporate America and she's killing it and she's got, she's happy and she's, she's in this position where she feels like, you know, she's got growth and upward mobility and everything. And that's the, never once, even whenever she kind of like offered similarly to how Maddie did never once that I really feel like, um, you know, I was emasculated by that situation, but it also did reinforce for me. Like, I don't ever want her to have to offer that again, Yeah. again, mm. right? Like I don't ever want her to have to be in that situation. So what have I, I done? And it's not the exact same thing that you've done, right? Is, is taking ownership of like, what, what can I do to position myself in a way where she can, she can depend on me, right? She doesn't have to offer something like that again and, and put yourself in a, a better position in your relationship ultimately hopefully is the the end goal in a better position as well yeah i think men need to know this too because you know uh society and we're, we're quickly figuring this out we're we're taught the lie all we gotta do is go to school get our degree and then boom we're settled we'll <laughs> yeah. be able to live a happy life and 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 get a great job where you go on vacation once a year uh whatever and it's it's like that might have been the truth at some point. It's not the truth anymore. So mm-hmm. if we want to have extreme ownership, number one is identify that that is no longer true for most cases. Uh, and, and then, okay, how do we pivot now? How do we pivot? How do we offer enough value to society where our value has, our value has increased uh, monetarily to the point where we are happy with, with our income? So that's, I think, step number one. Um, the other thing I was, I was going to say with 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 women regarding women i'm i'm learning this all, all i can say is i can speak from experience with my own marriage so maddie she's 26 years old and she's been an entrepreneur i guess for six years or so now five yep. six years something like that um and she's she's crushed it you know she herself knows how to make six figures on her own from scratch and it's awesome mm-hmm. one thing that we're learning together this is not me putting words into her mouth this is not you know me pushing any sort of agenda on her this is this is her the lessons that she's learning and sharing back with me is that although she loves what she does and she does she does not nearly receive as much fulfillment from her you know business and what she's created as i do with my mm-hmm. business that i've created and she constantly for a few years now has felt like something is missing like I, I feel really fulfilled. I got this awesome mm-hmm. company. I got my team of guys. I, my clients see results. They're all happy. 
I'm married, like things are great for me. And she's like, I just don't have the same things. Like I know you, what you feel that I don't feel the same. Like something is literally missing. And over the last, yeah, <laughs> over the last two years, we've really dove deep into that and we we've come to a conclusion and, and, um, you can follow up with me in a few years and I'll let you know <laughs> if it was right or not, but I think it will be. We've come to the conclusion that she's missing motherhood. Yeah. And, and although her business is cool, although she's crushing, although she's enjoying it, that's, that's not her purpose, mm-hmm. you know, her. And she, when I ask her sometimes, you know, when we have these really intimate conversations, like these deep conversations and we ask like, what do you want? And she's like, I want to be a mom. I want to be at home creating a family and building mm-hmm. our home. And I call her like the home CEO. We don't have any kids yet, but soon. Um, yeah. But she's like the CEO of the home, you know, and I'm going to go do my thing and whatever, <laughs> you know, all my crazy stuff. But she's she's going to be the CEO of the home. Um, and and just as soon as, as we kind of like agreed on that, like there's there's a spark in her, man. It, it's the same spark I had when I was dreaming about what my future and what I could create. Yeah. The things that I hope to accomplish someday. She has that same spark just because we talked about you know, starting a family together. And it's, it's really beautiful to see. And I was, I was never bought into that. I, I never wanted to put her right into like, into any sort of box. Like we talked about, I wanted yeah. her to kind of figure out her own purpose, but, but crazy enough, she, she has followed the cycle that women have followed for thousands of years now that has made yeah. them happy. Crazy. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that, that's my that's thoughts awesome. on it. That's amazing. And the fact that you guys are even having those, those, uh, it's so funny to me. It's, uh, you know, you have friends and stuff that go to through marital problems or relationship problems and things like that. People really under, underestimate the, the concept of just a monthly or weekly or quarterly, whatever you want to schedule, just a checkup Not with yet. your significant other. We get so caught up in just the BS of just day-to-day life and how busy we are and like how much we have going on. But like once a month, me and Kenzie will do like a, a check-in and be like, hey, h- how are you feeling? How are you doing? How am I doing it as a husband? What do you need more of from me? And she asked me the same questions. And sometimes it gets a little bit of friction if it's, you know, if it ends up going into a deeper conversation. But it's like the goal of a marriage is not to never fight ever. Like if you're not fighting, mm-hmm. there's probably a huge issue or something's bubbling up, right? Um, but there, the the power of just a monthly checkup I think is so underrated and it sounds like you guys with you setting up these, these intimate conversations, it sounds like you guys kind of have that down and it's, it's so important, right? Because you don't know if, if somebody, their, their goals have changed. You don't know if something has shifted within them um, because we're not static beings, right? Like we're ever evolving, Mm -hmm. ever changing. Um, So that's, that's so cool to hear. And I went, do you guys have any type of timeline on, on making her a mother? I guess we'll see, right? Um, okay. Sometime in the in the night in the next nine months to to three years, probably. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> but no, d- just to add to that, though, I mean, when people talk about like uh, relationships failing due to bad communication, like they're not talking about like they didn't come home from work and just they didn't Say discuss hi. the day or whatever. It's like yeah. it's the deeper stuff to make sure that you you're still aligned together, especially as as a younger couple. Because I was 23 when I got married. Maddie was 20. I was pretty young. Mm-hmm. And, um, you're still developing, you, you develop a lot in your twenties, a ton. And so yeah. to make sure that we're still on the same page and we still want the same things, I think that's, that's super, super important. And, and luckily we do. Um, and, and perhaps 
maybe that's luck. Maybe that's the fact that we actually talk and have good communication. But yeah. when we dreamed of our lives together, it was not us spending the last two hours of the day together after a long day of, of work and doing and living our own separate lives for, you know, 10 hours of the day. It was very much like, like what we want to be together, you know? So yeah. we, we've, um, I take this pretty seriously, but like we, decide what we want our lives to look like and then we act accordingly um yeah. i wish people would do that more you know they because they don't they're like no, i they hate don't. where i live and it's like okay move and they're like oh no i wouldn't do that and it's like okay well then <laughs> stop complaining like you know yeah. i hate my job okay quit oh no oh okay <laughs> i'm like i hate that i'm fat lose weight no they won't do that either it's like no, okay I mean, man well but those types of people, you eventually realize that it's just a constant circle of just, well, I can't do this. Well, I can't do this. Well, I can't do this. And it's like, well, if you tell me you want all these things, like you'll figure out a way to do one of them, you know? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it'll either get to a point where the pain of staying that's the same finally outweighs the pain of uh, the, the perceived pain of changing or you'll remain miserable and it'll never yeah, quite be hurt enough. And you just kind of stay in that, that same cycle. There's only two solutions. Number one is exactly what you said, uh, where you you reach the pain point um and then do something about it number two is like we've talked about throughout this this call is uh discovering the inner greatness because when mm -hmm. you do and you realize how much of a disservice you've been doing to yourself by not exploring that part of you uh that's enough to usually get people going too so that, that's Absolutely. the two ways man but yeah something's got to happen you got to be triggered either in a positive yeah. way or in a negative way there's you got to and I, I hope that we can trigger enough people. <laughs> yeah, hopefully so. Yeah. Um, I, you, I saw you post the other day on the fear of looking inward. And so I kind of want to relate that back to what we've been talking about with men um, in general. And uh, I want you to kind of expand upon that thought that you that you put on uh, your Instagram the other day. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that one that one goes deep. But the, the part of that that uh, I, I want to touch on the most is a lot of people don't look inward or ask themselves hard questions because they're afraid of finding the truth. It is so easy to um, self-deceive. People do it all the time. They, yeah. I mean, they, they, they create a lie of who they are um, and then they live their life and you know, whatever happens, but very rarely do they ask themselves like, okay, am I actually this person that I think I am? Or like, do I actually do this? Or is they, they don't explore their weaknesses at all. And so what happens is we, you become stagnant and we never really like progress or get better. Um, and, and there's a, f I guess a few examples I could use here. Number one, back to the story I've already told 17 years old, um, living in a delusion, the, the, it, it happened in one day. It was one day where it all hit me and I realized like, okay, I do not put any effort. The reason my grades suck isn't because I was, you know, born dumb and, yeah, you know, I'm destined to get D's and C's in class. It's because I don't do anything. I haven't done homework in months. You know, I listen to Eminem, right? Um, that was a hard conversation I had to have with myself because the truth hurts. Um, and, and realizing all the other areas of my life at that point that I was just like wanting to ignore, pretend that they didn't exist. But there's also kind of like a, a beautiful side to it too. We kind of talked about this too, like the David Goggins who they're curious, they have an, an and intrigue and into like what they're truly capable of. Um, and so, I mean, a few examples, I mean, there's, there's tons of examples, whether it be preps or for shows or whatever it is, but whenever you're doing like a hard thing that sucks, you really find out a lot about yourself, you know, and when you reach the wall and you're forced 
in the moment to like look at yourself essentially yeah as as if there's a mirror you have to look at yourself and be like okay my options are to quit my options are to continue to self-deceive and pretend like I'm hitting my macros when really I'm cheating every day or when I'm doing my cardio when really I'm stopping 15 minutes short every day or little things like that or option three is to find out what happens if you keep going and mm-hmm. and so I've, I've had those examples um or opportunities in my life and I'm glad to say I've I've chosen number three to find out just find out because I'm so curious and uh it's it's uh taken me pretty far uh but what happens when you choose number three the the one where you keep going and ignore the ones where you quit or lie to yourself what happens is your self-efficacy which is like that deep self-belief system that we have grows like crazy it grows like a weed dude and then all of a sudden you're so much more capable of everything in your life because yeah you're no you you've looked inward you've torn yourself apart you you you've removed the shell and you've stared at yourself at your own soul eye to eye and you've met your your true self and there's no lies no nothing and and you've 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 pushed forward through that and now you're stronger because of it so you do that enough times you start to feel pretty limitless and and we talk about discipline being the superpower it's like it gets to the point where it's just like there's nothing you can't do, you know, like I, I think about like the Navy SEALs. They have like their their legendary hell week where like half the yeah. the class quits because they can't make it through. This might be the most naive thing I've ever said in my life, but like I know I could get through hell week because you either make it through or you quit. Right. Well, I yeah. know I'm not going to quit that it would be impossible for me to quit. It would never happen. So mm-hmm. the only alternative is that I'd get through it. So <laughs> that might yeah. be naive to say, but at least it no, gets it, the point across. <laughs> I, no, I, I completely understand that. And I've brought, I've brought this, it's one of my favorite quotes of all time, or I guess it's not even really a quote, but I write it down as if it's a quote. Um, it's uh, Will Smith. I'm sure you've seen the clip. He talks about what makes him different versus most people is he is willing to die on a treadmill. He's like, <laughs> if you get, if I get on a treadmill and somebody gets on next to me, there's two outcomes. He was like, I'm going to die or the other person is going to get off first. He's mm-hmm. like, those are the only two things. That's how I view, view, um, life, right? Like that's how I view what, what I'm doing. And like what I put into my craft is like, I'm going to die before somebody else beats me or lasts longer or works harder than me. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of the same thing that you're talking about, but it's, it's a, the experience in and of itself of just going through something like that, where you are forced to look at yourself and in and, and choosing option three, like you said, option three becomes your default at a certain point. It does. And you don't even mm-hmm. you don't even feel like you come to a crossroads anymore. It just is like, okay, I'm going to push through this because I know that something crazy is going to come out on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you've talked about too. This is a really, this is a really like hot topic right now with Gary Brecca and all that he's doing with like long extended fast and everything you talked about um recently i saw a post from you about basically um all that you can learn about yourself by starving yourself yeah yeah um <laughs> yeah because i've reached that that treadmill point on uh, yeah. my last prep and i'm i have a few goals for this prep that i'm starting here soon Num- goal number one is not be hospitalized for having a stroke in my eye like last prep so that's yep. goal number one yep. uh goal number goal. two is to yeah. Goal number two is to um, not have to push as hard and not that I'm not willing to push because I am, but for whatever reason, and you can talk, my, my coach is Cliff Wilson. He's a, I mean, he's, a, he's a great coach. He's created mm-hmm. like 150 plus natural pros and, and bodybuilding and some IFP pros and whatever. He's a great coach. And out of his 12, 13 years of coaching, 
in his own words, he has never had to push a male athlete as hard as he pushed me to get shredded for whatever reason, my body just was not having it. So the wow. lowest my calories got, I was at 1300 calories. I was at 90 minutes of moderate intensity state cardio every day, mm-hmm. um, for, uh, about two weeks, but kind of like a month because I did another show and I had to push again. But, um, so essentially I had 40 grams of carbs every day and in the morning I would run for 45 minutes. And then in the evening I'd do the stairmaster for 45 minutes. And, uh, my body was just rejecting it, but it got to this, this beautiful moment where I reached the point, I reached the wall. I decided I wasn't going to quit or cheat. And so you just accept the, your fate. And then this is just going to mm-hmm. happen. This is going to be my life for the next couple of weeks. Um, and it got to the point and I, I, I really do mean this. It, it's, it sounds almost overdramatic, but I really mean it. Like he could have told me, straight up hey we're just gonna not eat anymore like we're gonna put you at zero calories now after you know five months of cutting he he could have just said like no more calories at all but you still gotta do your cardio and i would have just been like all right (laughs) you know you you reach that acceptance where you 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 do anything you die on the treadmill uh but it's it's a beautiful thing when you reach that it's 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 enlightening it's it's almost like a state of nirvana where you realize you are in the ultimate control over your mind. And so that's kind of what I meant because I brought up the story of uh, Siddhartha Gautama, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, who was the original Buddha and like quite literally like the short version of his story. He was actually like the uh, uh, the son of a king, I believe, or yeah. a, a nobleman or something like that. And he had never experienced suffering in, inside the palace. He lived in a palace and inside the palace, um, no, they they were they never saw death they never saw starving they never saw you know poor people or homeless people nothing and one day he asked to leave the palace and so for the first time he did and he saw homeless people he saw old people he saw death he saw his eyes were open to all this suffering and so he he began this journey to find um reach a state where there was no suffering which is now seen it's called nirvana now Um, and so what he did is he left his palace, he left his riches and he went on this big quest. And one of the things he did was he starved himself. He like literally just starved himself and, uh, and he meditated. And during that process of like, you know, refusing to give his body what it needed and, and being in control of the physical, uh, eventually he did reach a state of Nirvana where there was no suffering. He became the Buddha essentially, um, which means like the enlightened one. And the rest is history, you know, one of the biggest world religions in the world because of because of him and, and his experience um, in conquering yeah. the physical. So as obviously bodybuilding is an elected starvation, similar to what he was going through. Um, yeah. But they are very similar because bodybuilding is really, really cool um, because it's so much more than just stepping on a stage. I mean, ultimately that's what you end up doing. You flex on a stage with a spray tan and yeah. let people look at you and, and whatever. Clothing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah man thong whatever but yeah. i love the sport because of how you get there you know yeah. because you do have to absolutely conquer your mind it's it's a beautiful thing no that's that's ultimately what brought me to it um in my my first prep was a extremely unhealthy one it was i was on a crash diet from day one and it was just like uh, my coach bailed on me two weeks out which you love know that. is the yeah is the most uh <laughs> crucial por- portion of you know um peak week and everything but it was a uh you know, I was just like down in the dirt by the end of it. Um, and, and a lot of times people don't believe me whenever I say it, but the, one of my last cardio sessions that was scheduled, I think it was my last one actually, um, 
the, the week before, or, or maybe it was like five or six days out was 90 minutes on the Stairmaster. And at this point, you know, it's painful to even walk into the gym, right? Like I've got to have hype up music just to get me to be willing to get out of my car. You know, there's so little fat on my butt that it's painful to sit down in the seats in the, in the, you know, on the machines. And, um, I literally on the Stairmaster that day, I, during my 90 minute cardio session, like I fell asleep and then like woke back (laughs) up. I think like 15 minutes had gone by. I woke back up on the Stairmaster still like, and it was just, it, I don't even know, like if it was technically like I fainted or like what the the technical definition would be, but it happened to me on the Stairmaster during my last cardio session. And I just like was still going. Um, and then it also happened to me like a couple nights later, I was like taking a shower and I had like done a, a big drop and, um, for, or was preparing for a big drop for my clothing company and, um, had been packing orders. And it was like three or 4 AM and it was really stupid to do that during peak week. But, um, I was taking a shower like super late at night and I fell asleep then or like fainted or whatever you want to call it. And I woke up on the floor of my shower and the water had gone cold. So it was just like cold water hitting me when I woke up and like, this is, but, but it's also like, it's, it's really unhealthy. Um, what I had put myself through, but it was, uh, it also kind of reinforces another Hormozy quote, but like you have to have a stack of unrefutable, like undeniable proof of like, Mm. you are who you say you are. Right. And so like that process, I fell in love with it as well from, from my perspective was like, I don't, I didn't know anybody else, like actually know anybody else at that time in bodybuilding that had, that was putting themselves or subjecting themselves to the type of hardship that I was putting myself through. So it was like, I was building all of this, what, what I found out later and what I believe now is like confidence and just like keeping the promises that I was making myself saying I was going to step on stage, saying I was going to get lean, say I was going to, you know, do all the work that was necessary and leave no doubts in my mind that I had left anything on the table. And it does force you to, to understand that equation of hard work and consistency over time, equaling results, but also doing the hard things makes everything else in life seem a lot easier. And it also puts you into a state of confidence because you know, the things that you're projecting out into the world are things that you've truly backed up and things that you've truly put yourself through the ringer to, to become. Yeah. It's, it's the limited, uh, life that, that mm-hmm. we're chasing and the, the unlimited life, limitless life. Uh, a couple of things that, um, I want to bring up is you do got to pay your dues though. So for instance, we're talking about like the, the treadmill story again, which is really mm-hmm. great. Um, people love hearing those stories to the point where they get a dopamine hit when they turn on that motivational YouTube video and they hear that quote and they're just like, I feel great. I'm going to go run 10 miles now. And it, it, what, what it stops people though. It actually stops people because it's, it's dramatic. It's glamorous. It's romanticized. It's they, that's what they want, but they haven't paid their dues yet. And so they try to have an experience like that when they're literally not ready at all. You know, that's a level 10 thing. They're on level one still. And so they fail and, and they stay stuck. And so a lot of people need to, um, focus more on, on developing the habits, um, start with the level one stuff and then work your way up. And eventually you'll, you'll pay your dues enough where you can have those moments where you build up your self-efficacy. But what happens, people try to go too fast and they actually damage their self-efficacy and, and get stuck. And so the next time they start a diet, they know they're not following the diet because they've done mm-hmm. 10 other diets and they failed every single one of them. But when yeah. I do a diet, I know I'm going to succeed because I've done you know a handful of them and I've I've, su- I've succeeded on every single one I've done. So I know nothing else. Yeah. I don't know failure when it comes to that. Um, but one, one thing that actually really changed my perspective was something my coach said. And uh, 
at this point, let's see, it's like 2021 when I started to work with him. I was going into my prep and I remember he decided to take me on, which I was really excited about. And I remember telling him like, I'm going to be the best client you have. You know, I've, I, I never go over my macros. I stick to my diet perfectly. I've never, you know, skimped on cardio. Like I'm going to follow the plan perfectly. And I'm like, build this whole thing up because at the time my circle kind of my circle of, of friends and, and athletes and stuff I worked with, they, they struggled with those things. It was like, you know, I had to go through this big motivational period to try to get them to stick to their macros and stick to the plan and blah, blah, blah. So at the time I, I thought I was something special because of that. And I remember telling him that I'm going to be your best athlete ever. And his reply was like, Oh, cool. Well, to be honest, that's just kind of what I expect from everyone. Ha. Huh? But yeah, thanks. And I was like, Man. wow. <laughs> yeah. And I, I realized like I had, I thought, you know, I was something really special because I, I was doing the, the bare minimum expected. That's nothing special at all. And yeah, I, that changed my life right there. I was like, man, okay. Time to yeah, set the bar a little higher <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And you could take that into your own business and, and do the same thing. That's, that's, yeah. that's a crazy mentality. I love it. Yeah. Um, Okay. Lastly, you talked about you and Maddie, you kind of talk about, and you, you guys get on the same page of the lives that you want to create. And then you work on, you know, how can we get there? Mm-hmm. You, I, I've told you this before. I've told Maddie this before. You guys are literally like, you guys are me and Kenzie's goals when it comes to structuring, like travel and new experiences into just like your existence. What, what, drew you guys, I guess, to other than going to college and, and meeting in such a beautiful place like the Tetons, um, what what drew you guys to crafting so much travel into your ideal lifestyles? Yeah, so I, I was definitely like the the big push for that. Uh, and Maddie loves it too. But I'm, I'm obsessed with the world with different cultures. Uh, my, I feel like my purpose here on earth is to serve humanity in some sort of way. So mm-hmm. what better to than to start with understanding humanity on a deeper level and experiencing different cultures and all of that. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's definitely a big part of it. I, I'm, that's why I'm learning Chinese. Like I, I have a Chinese tutor. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. Because... I, see, I always see you post your, your studies um, <laughs> and, and your progress on it. Tough, tough language, man. But yeah, I mean, there's like over a billion Chinese speakers in the world and I want to be able to open up that door, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just love the world, but that, that's definitely part of it. But I feel like, Again, just the theme, one of the themes we're talking about here is how much power we have over our lives. And so many people, so many people say, oh, I want to travel the world. And how many of them actually do? Mm-hmm. And I, I hate being like that. Like if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm definitely going to make it happen. So that was the goal from the beginning. I mean, I, my obsession with travel, seeing the world and and being the type of people that um, are the action takers and, and do what we say we're going to do, a mixture of that got us to start, you know, seeing the world more, traveling more, um, and creating the dream life that we want. And yeah, we're going to keep at it. So (laughs) it's amazing, man. Well, you, you guys definitely inspire us. Um, and I know you inspire a lot of other people as well. Um, really the last question that I have for you, man, is what are you Brady Oakey, not Oaks, um, to get Mm -hmm. that clear for everybody, Brady Oakey, what are you going to accomplish by any means necessary? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of things. Uh, long term. So, okay. Long term. Um, cause there's a lot of short term things I'm going to do, but yeah. long term has actually nothing to do with fitness at all. And kind of more what we were just talking about, but right, right now, uh, um, 
my goal with serving humanity is if I can help people physically, I can help them build their self-efficacy, help them, you know, believe in themselves more, help grow their inner greatness. That's going to, that's going to help them for the rest of their lives. That's how I view serving humanity right now. Long-term though, serve humanity is like literally those two words, like that is, that's, I feel that's why I'm here. Like that is my life purpose. And so long-term, this is going to take a total twist, but uh, I have this, this deep interest and passion in, in human rights and, and giving the blessing of freedom and liberty, liberty to people who don't have it. So long-term after I've created my companies and built an influence and have some sort of voice and I've helped people and they're, they're fitter and they're richer and they're happier and living the good lives. I am going to, by any means necessary, create some sort of nonprofit organization that is fully focused on helping people in the world who do not have the same rights, freedoms, and liberties that we have. And I'm going to do my part in helping them get that uh, so that they can even have conversations like this. And so they can dream big so they can find their inner greatness, find out what they're capable of, all of the above, all of that. I'm going to help as many people as possible get there. That's amazing, man. I was not expecting that at all. So I'm so glad you yeah. shared that. Um, that. That's a super, super cool one. And it's very unique compared to a lot of the ones that I've gotten so far. So I have no doubts that you'll do it. Everything that you set your mind to, man, you you seem to to manifest and accomplish it. And it's, it's due to just the mentality that you show up with. And um, I'm sure everyone that's listened up to this point can can see why you have been so successful, why your marriage has been so successful, why Maddie's been so successful. Hopefully I can have her on um, here soon as well. And I'm, I'm hoping I can maybe even have both you guys on um, for, for another episode because I think that'd be awesome to just pick both of your brains. But yeah, this we can get been your wife a, to have a little round table or something. Yeah, yeah, that'd be <laughs> awesome. Um, but this has been an absolute blast, man. Hopefully you had fun as well. And uh, I'm Absolutely. gonna have to have you on here again soon. Yeah, anytime, man. I appreciate it. I've always looked up to you for everything that you're doing and, and the good that you put in the world. It's it's very clear. I mean, I like like I said at the beginning, how genuine of a person you are, but truly, even after knowing you for a few years now, um, yeah, you're a genuine guy. And and you, one thing I really respect about you is how a lot of people try to do stuff and then they quit or whatever. And I don't mm-hmm. see, I don't hear from them anymore. But like, nah, you're you're still at it. You're making it happen. Here we are. And it's just going to get better for us. So I appreciate everything that you're doing, man. Likewise, man. Likewise. Thank you, Brady. Yeah. All right. (laughs) If you made it this far, thank you so much for watching or listening to the entire show. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Brady as much as I did. Even after and before the actual record button was pressed, um, we continue to kind of go on and converse and just catch up. And so I know he'll be on again here soon. If you got something out of the show, make sure that you share it. That's the only way that it's going to grow. So even if it's just a timestamp or an excerpt that you really felt was impactful, make sure that you share that with a friend so that more people can continue to get introduced to the BAMcast and we can continue to grow the show. There's a ton of exciting plans and guests that are slated for the next coming weeks and months. So if you don't want to miss those, make sure that you subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube or follow the show if you're listening on any type of audio platform. If you want to support Brady's business, look into his coaching, um, look into getting some apparel, I'll make sure that his links are down below as well to his Instagram and his YouTube channel. And if you want to support any of my businesses on a deeper level or get involved with the brands behind the show, you can find that in the description as well. It's always going to be linked there. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this journey with me. Hopefully you're getting as much out of it as I am, and I'll see you in the next one.